0: That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. Hello and welcome to Inside Politics, the politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Pat Leahy, sitting in for Hugh Linehan, who's gone on his holidays to South County Dublin this week. So let's hope he gets nice weather. This morning, I'm joined by our political correspondent, Jennifer Bray. Good morning, Ms Bray. Good morning. And by our managing editor, leader writer, and economics commentator, Cliff Taylor, or as he is sometimes known, Fiscal Cliff. (laughs) Thank you, Pat. Later, we'll be talking about the threat to our elections and our democracy from artificial intelligence and also about a proposed liberalisation of the laws on abortion. But first, Fiscal Cliff joins us on this politics podcast because we want to talk about a column he wrote in last Saturday's Irish Times setting out the case for an early election through an economic lens. I'm going to quote from your article.
1: Discovery-wise, right, yes, there is nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is nothing to suggest an economic collapse is on the way, and the near record low in unemployment is a vital support. But for the coalition, this may be as good as it gets. The period of supercharged economic growth, driven by a flood of foreign investment, may be coming to an end. The economic froth that provided a lot of tax revenue to the exchequer may be slowly disappearing. I like your reading (laughs) voice, Pat. And then, I'm not finished, I'm not finished, and then you go on to say,
2: there is, of course,
0: no perfect answer here. (laughs) Political anoraks debate endlessly, and we'll ignore, for now, your pejorative language here, but listeners can decide for themselves whether they'd like to be stuck in a lift with a political anorak or a pointy-headed economist. Anyway, you go on to say, (laughs) whether the government would be better to go before the June European and local elections, where they could get a heavy beating, or afterwards. Lagging in the polls, the temptation is always to hold on and hope that something turns up to improve things. But sometimes it doesn't. So Cliff,
1: yes, tell us what you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose there was a few things came into my head that were changing that, that, uh, that led me to write this. The First thing is, uh, I think the government has been operating up to recently on the uh, expectation that things can only get better if you know what I mean, that the economy next year would still be flying. And uh, Number one, unemployment coming down, job numbers going up, people feeling better about themselves. And in those circumstances, that they were better to wait as exactly. long as possible. Okay. Exactly, because the longer you wait, the better off people feel. Mm-hmm. Living standards going up after, hopefully, inflation falls, etc., etc., because obviously living standards have taken a bit of a beating over the last couple of years, despite... The government's uh, interventions to support people which, which, which have made a difference. I think that outlook has changed now. There's no doubt that the economy is slowing. The jobs market has topped out. There's a strange mixture in the jobs market. Companies still say it's very hard to find people in some jobs but equally clearly in some sectors and particularly in some highly paid sectors job numbers are falling off a bit. i think of the tech sector in particular and if I might divert a minute, if you looked at the recent property market figures, one of the big areas of weakness was uh, South Dublin and some speculation. Where that, Hugh
0: is on his holiday.
1: Indeed, he? yes. Some speculation, the lack of bonuses, the lack of pay increases, the lack of share options in in the tech sector, which were fueling part of the uh, froth in the South mm-hmm. Dublin housing market, is, is now a factor. And I think that's that's probably right. So, so I think the first part of the argument that let's hold on because people will owe will feel better at the end of next year than they do at the start is now questionable. The second thing then is there was an expectation that Pascal Donahue and Michael McGrath, or maybe I should put them the other way around now, Michael McGrath and Pascal Donahue, because McGrath is the finance minister, and he'd be the, the person cutting taxes. But they will have a load of money in the budget next October to cut taxes and push up spending even more. It's a
0: massive giveaway
1: budget a massive before pre-budget. the election. Uh Pre-election, should I say, uh, giveaway budget. The forecast in this year's budget for the surplus heading into 2025 was a massive £14 And there's no doubt that a a lot of people in the coalition were licking their chops at the prospect of dispersing that money next October. That is changing now. Now, it's questionable how much it's changing. But I think one way to look at this is to... Is to look at the fact that the surplus is the difference between two really big figures. I know you told me not to go into numbers now in this podcast, but we'll allow you a brief digression. A but yeah, I reserve the right to cut you off Absolutely. if you talk about too, yeah. many numbers. too many numbers. So the spending and, and taxes are roughly around the hundred billion level in the Irish economy, and, and the surplus is the difference between, between those two figures. So the point of this is that a small fall, a relatively small fall in taxes. At a time when spending is continuing to increase, your surplus can, can dwindle very, very quickly. And of course, we've seen in the latest corporation tax figures that the numbers are falling off there. The froth, as that very finely written piece said, is, is it's disappearing. A, it's okay for,
0: for me to quote oh, you, sorry, but it's a bit right. indulgent for you to <laughs> quote yourself. yourself.
1: Well, but something on. I've heard you do on podcasts a few months, but anyway, well, no. we let that pass. Let's not dwell oh, no. on the <laughs> difference between our prose styles too much, shall we? Go on. Right long story short I the scope Thank for, God a, for that <laughs> the scope for a giveaway budget is looking less certain certainly it's less certain than it would be and a second kind of point there is that I think it's budget budget uh, 2025 is going to be a tricky one for the coalition because Which is the budget this time next year exactly because inflation is falling we presume that's going to continue so when it comes to next year's budget Pascal Dunhoo, Michael McGrath, can they really put in place more energy credits for people, more once-off supports, the kind of things we're seeing now, and still plead that they are being fiscally prudent? And remember, being fiscally prudent is a key differentiator for them between them and Sinn Féin, because their whole part this is true. Okay. The whole part of their election spin against Sinn Féin is that they'll erect the economy, they'll erect the public finances, they'll drive out investment, etc, etc. So what happens if they come along at a time when energy prices are falling, household bills are falling, inflation's falling, say so we're actually we're going to throw a load, of, a load more once-off money at the populace. How can they still... T- and if they don't, But if they don't do that, then the risk is next year people will feel a little less well-off than they do this year because they're not getting their... we we'll come, come back three credits. to that precise point in a minute. But
0: Jen, first of all, from you, what is your sense of the how th- this is perceived, this particular question is perceived in government at, at the moment? Because I- I'm getting a lot of sense that this is kind of a, a real subject for discussion in government now. All, of, all it, it, Despite the fact that no decisions have made made on this, I think, you know, for quite some time yet, but it is, it's a lot of chatter about on it, isn't there?
3: Yes, there is. And firstly, what I want to say is in Cliff's piece, he mentioned a spring 2024 election. Now, I would like to say that you heard it here first. And when I said it in this podcast, everyone laughed at me. And now Cliff has come in to back me up and I want to give you a high five Cliff, (laughs) for that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it, it is a serious topic of conversation in government because... They're aware that the economy is their big selling point, you know, Um, even though there have been things down through the years which have kind of blown a hole in their image of fiscal prudence, such as the National Children's Hospital and the the overspending there and overspending in in the health service, etc. So it's not a fully tarnished proof picture, Um, but it is an interesting one. And it's really interesting piece because you could look at it that way. You could look at it as in the government won't have um, as much money to give away, then they certainly probably won't be able to advance the arguments around electricity credits and stuff, especially when inflation is moderating and is due to moderate further. Um, Or you could look at it the other way. Would voters, sensing a cooling economy, um, reading Cliff's piece... (laughs)
0: <laughs> um,
3: carefully. Carefully, line by line, as we all do. Um, would they actually look at that picture and think, is now the time for a massive change? You know, um, because... Okay, so this, this th- is that, a really that's, good that's point. That's what I wonder. Okay,
0: so if we accept that everything that Cliff says about the economy is, is true, and, and, and I for one do, yeah. um, I, I can't speak for the listeners, <laughs> but I do, uh, then there is also a possibility that foreign incumbent government that is not particularly popular, that is faced with a slightly, despite several years of strong economic growth, that is still faced with a public that is a bit, grumpy about things like the delivery of services, the cost of living, inflation and so forth. That actually, a sense that the economy is slowing and that the prosperity, which they kind of know they've come to take for granted, is threatened, that those are ideal circumstances for exactly this type of government to seek re-election. If you look back to perhaps, uh, you know, examples in the past that might be you know vaguely comparable in 2007 Fianna Fáil looking for a third Bertie Ahern looking for a third uh, mandate to form a government in a row 2002 you know at the end of a period of great prosperity but each of these times 2002 was just after the bursting of the dot com bubble after the 911 uh, influenced Shock to the world economy. Two thousand and seven, things beginning to turn after a period of of, of frothy growth. To use uh, Cliff's adjective, and actually within government, that you know, there, this it, it is a viable argument to make. I think that actually what you want is not people thinking that there is no cost to change, but it, people worried about the cost of change. Because Sinn Fein are going to own change at the next election. If you think things should really change, you're gonna vote most likely for Sinn Fein. But if you're a bit worried mm. about what change may mean, mm. then you're more likely to be amenable to the messages coming from government. And if that is if that all that is true, right, then are you not to turn your argument back at you, Cliff?
1: Are <laughs> I thought you, you, I thought you off, might at some stage. All right. Yes. Are you not
0: better off letting this uncertainty develop a little bit rather than diving in next spring when it has yet to take hold.
1: Sure, sure. Um, That's that's an entirely reasonable argument. In other
0: words, what I'm saying is you leave the political analysis to us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you Sorry, give us all the facts. Yeah. We'll I, will, I, I, I was well aware them.
0: I
1: was going to be ganged up on here today. So. <laughs> I, know, <Cliff. laughs> I know. Feeling very put upon. From an economic point of view, like how different is next spring to yeah, say the following spring? That, that was the question I was going to raise. And, and the honest answer is, you know, I haven't got a clue and nor, and nor is anybody else. And anybody who's tried to forecast the economy beyond kind of six weeks in the last few years has generally ended up with, with, with egg all over their face. So it is very hard to know. I do think by spring, summer of next year, that atmosphere of uncertainty will be around the place uh, because people will will see growth slowing. They'll see the jobs market coming off a bit. I don't think the economy is heading for a, for a big downturn, but mm-hmm. I do think we have had a period when the wind has been behind us on all fronts, if you like now. COVID accepted a difficult period uh, there obviously but in a general sense since COVID we've had this extraordinary bounce which is now which is now run out I think uh, So, and I do think that feeling will be, will be abroad if you like by next spring and summer it's a good point to say you could let it fester a bit and from the government's point of view try to play on it a bit and have a more prudent budget Next October and 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 go after that. The, the
0: political constituency for prudence is
1: well. That's true. Unproven yeah. to say the least. Well, well, I suppose what they've what they've managed to do over the last few years is do everything, give away money, cut taxes, yeah. salt away money, and still move the budget into surplus. They probably won't be able to do all of those things next October. And in fact, one of the interesting decisions they're going to face, and they've kind of booted this one down the road a little bit.
3: Surprise,
1: surprise. Surprise, surprise. Is how much money to put into these various funds that mm. they've promised. So these are the great previous They just introduced
0: the legislation this week, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, but we're still to see exactly how that's going to work and how much money is going to be put in and what the get-outs are going to be. Uh, and it's an interesting question if you're heading for a pre-budget election. How much do you tie yourself into putting into those funds next October? Because the money going into the funds is going to be less money going to the punter the voter should I say Mm -hmm. next October so that is an interesting take three or four months ago that wouldn't have been problematic because you'd still reckon you'd have a load of money left over but they wouldn't be so sure now I don't think
3: Yeah and those those funds are for digital future population ageing climate measures. It's really hard to sell an election, I think, on the basis of something bad is going to happen with, you yeah. know, pension 25 costs. years down the line. Yeah, yes. when yeah. people are saying yeah, something yeah, bad yeah. is happening now. And that, the opposition of actually, we, I think we had Pierce here before and he was kind of advocating for some of that money we to say that He didn't want to say, no, we're
0: not going to be prudent to put yeah, away this yeah, yeah, money. Really
1: it's
3: going to be semi-prudent. I it's think only po- two it's I population think the- for prudence is two, Michael McGrath possibly. I think the <laughs>
1: politics of that are, are really interesting. And when this was announced first, it was announced as kind of a long-term wealth fund that Ireland would build up. And a few kind of smart people uh, that I know were onto me and said, maybe this isn't a great idea because as you were saying, what is the where's the politics in putting money away for 30 years and saying to people, oh this'll be great in 2035 to have this money to spend? And the idea has changed since then as a result of that. So now there's two funds. There's that fund just hasn't been given up on but as things develop, more money's been put into a shorter term fund, which is to support investment in housing and health over the next few years if the economy turns down. I'm sorry, if climate. The Greens absolutely. got their chunk off. Yeah. That's a much more sellable proposition in the short term, I think, because you can say, because we want to build more use, houses. Yeah, uh, This is our guarantee we're going to be able to build more houses over the, in the term of the next government, yeah. for example. You can sell that.
3: The infrastructure fund. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a
0: there's real case, I think, for the proposition that the most important date, the political calendar, this year is 1st of December. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll uh, be the 3rd of December
1: when we get the results. The se- 2nd of December, December, 3rd of yeah. December. We get yeah, the yeah.
0: Uh, corporation tax receipts for November. And I think the interesting...
3: Hold on, Pat just got excited about corporation tax. I know, out, yeah. He gave out to me for doing this in the previous <coughs> podcast. I when I quoted <laughs> one of your articles. The rules for me are different. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is obvious. It's becoming very obvious. Sorry, uh, Pat.
1: We're winning him over uh, slowly. I think... Sorry, just to go back to the funds... I suspect that the original idea for the long-term fund emerged from the civil service, and the politicians didn't really see it coming. And when the politicians realised that this maybe wasn't the most sellable of ideas, they kind of split it into two, and started to put you know substantial amounts or started to plan to put substantial amounts into the shorter-term infrastructure mm. fund. I think I think Dunahoo, and yeah.
0: McGrath are pretty convinced of of the need for it, but they've got to win over their party leaders and the rest of the capital.
1: Absolutely. And I think, yeah. in, fairness to, in fairness to them, um, they've kept some check on things over the last few years. The budget's moved into surplus. They've put a lot of cash aside. And we have a bag of money aside. But they've also increased spending. I mean, they have done I all that, say, For which they,
0: if you are yeah. prudentially minded, you give them credit. Yeah, they have
1: increased spending. But they've spending. been politically
0: able to do that Absolutely. because they've also hiked spending. Now, of course, they haven't hiked spending as much as their colleagues might like. Yeah. They have high spending.
1: Yeah. Um, And they've kind of, the old target of 5% has been quietly abandoned, I think, to the dismay of the fiscal council. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, they have. So, Mm. I guess the point is they're not going to be able to do everything next October, I don't think.
0: In the way that they've been able to do everything for this October. Yeah. Okay.
1: Jennifer, last question
0: on this, right? If Taoiseach does decide to go Early, It seems to me he will do so over the objections of his coalition partners. And he needs a public-facing reason to go. He can't just say, I think this is in my int- political interests, even though that might be his rationale. He's got to have a cover story for, uh, for the voters. And I think that is maybe constructible this time next year. When you say we've done our last budget, we have to have an election in the spring anyway, We want to do it now and people can vote on, you know, this budget. Whether they like it or not, if they don't like it, they can vote for a different party that can bring in uh, a different budget. So I think that is maybe constructible. It's very hard to see that being constructible in the spring of next year.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I can't imagine a scenario in which he, Leo Varker, didn't get an awful lot of flack for calling an early election unless he had, like you say, a very good reason. And think about it what would that very good reason that he would give next spring? I mean, he could turn around and say, I read Cliff's Peace. I'm really worried. <laughs> I'm calling That'd an be a
0: real reason.
3: That'd be a real reason. No, but think about it. Like, what would the actual reason be except for pure political gain? Um, and I don't think that plays very well with voters. I also think it would come over serious objections within Fianna Fáil um, and the Green Party. The Greens are really determined to get to the very end of this government because... That's also in the programme for government, of course, it, it, we should say. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think that calling an early election would have to come actually after a political crisis, realistically. I can't see it, you, know, you being able to call one. I mean, it has happened, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you
0: could manufacture a political crisis, but that is something that is, that is fraught with
3: But that creates you know, all risk. kinds of that's difficulties. a government collapsing, yeah. and voters rarely, yeah. uh,
1: rarely reward that. Last piece of political analysis, Cliff? Yeah, I mean, I think perhaps... To answer that question, could you you go with a kind of, well, clearly we're seeing signs of trouble in the economy. We need a new mandate. We need to be able to deal with this. Just just a thought. The the other point I wanted to make was, I think something else has changed. And perhaps this plays into post-election politics and coalition formation and desperation to be in government politics as well. There had been an expectation, I think, that the next government was going to have more money to spend than this one does, even more money to spend than this one does uh, because the corporation tax is going to keep rolling in and the, the mechanics of the public finances looked really good for the next three or four years. I think within government, the view on that is now starting to change, that things could be a little more difficult for the next government than for this government. And maybe that changes how people think not only about the timing of calling an election, but also desperation to be in government next time, maybe, or not.
0: Maybe it's the time to lose an
1: election. Maybe it is. Maybe it won't be that bad. But it's an interesting point, I think. Uh, if you looked at the forecast, the previous forecast for the public finances, the mythical 65 billion, however mm-hmm. it was originally, that yeah. was reluctantly put out by the Department of Finance in the middle of this year. Uh, that's been chipped away at already and I think it's going to be chipped away at a lot more uh, over the next, over the coming months. Yeah,
3: Can I just say, can I give you my prediction?
1: Go for it. I yes. think
3: that what will actually happen is the only way this government is going to go early yeah. will be on the back of a health crisis um, which causes such division um, that it's unforeseen. Either that, some other banana skin that comes between the coalition partners, so I'm talking political issue. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I do see this going all the way to March. whats
1: your on project, Spring with me, Jennifer. See,
3: no, because I said this. What well, ministers <coughs> were saying to I like to put these things out there and then quietly <laughs> <laughs> resile from them, you know, and then mention it again. Pull out, if, right, if, pull
1: out the right, pull out the right one as the events unfold.
0: Well, fall, listen. So, yes, so now I both.
3: So if it's Spring twenty twenty four, you heard it here first. Yeah. And if
0: it's Spring twenty
3: twenty five, we also heard that here first too.
0: Jennifer Bray, right all the time. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Jennifer Bray, sitting
0: on the OK, <laughs> uh, after the break, we talk about misinformation, deepfakes and Helen McEntee's plan to let criminals serve their sentences at home. You're welcome back. Uh, today, the Fianna Falls Senator Malcolm Byrne will introduce a motion in the Shannad calling inter Alia that a special Oireachtas committee should be set up to examine the threats and opportunities presented by artificial intelligence. And earlier we spoke to Malcolm.
2: Well, artificial intelligence is beginning to and will increasingly impact on all areas uh, of our lives positively and negatively Um, but have no doubt uh, that uh, ai is going to become an election issue here in ireland Uh, that will be through the spread of misinformation and disinformation or indeed through the use of deep fates Um, but equally i think we'll start to see um, election posters designed by ai election adverts being um, designed by uh, AI, it's going to start to shape our politics in a way that uh, would have an even greater impact than what would have happened with social media. We've already seen it in other elections around the globe. Uh, we've seen in the recent Slovakian election, there was uh, certainty fakes used. Uh, AI certainly featured in the recent uh, Argentinian presidential election. Uh, So have no doubt um, that I think that at some stage during our own campaign, we will see misinformation, disinformation, fuels by AI being spread. Uh, And indeed, I think we need to be alert to the potential of a deepfake suddenly emerging at a very critical juncture in an election. And the problem there is by the time the deepfake is denied, uh, it could have been widely spread on social media. And a lot of people may not believe uh, that it actually was a deepfake.
0: Okay, um, so somebody sent me uh, yesterday, sent me a screenshot of the Irish Times app from their phone with a story uh, by us saying that Helen McIntyre announced a plan to let criminals serve prison sentences at home. It says, under the banner headline, the Irish Times says, With Irish prisons full, Minister says she trusts that convicted criminals will incarcerate themselves at home. Ireland's self-incarceration scheme is due to begin next March, it said. Those convicted will have to isolate themselves for the duration of their sentence. Obviously, they'll get grants for heating and food, etc., but they mustn't leave their place of residence. No cheating is allowed now said Helen McEntee. And, um, I mean, aside from the um, punctuation mistakes, it looked uh, reasonably uh, reasonably convincing. Or maybe because of the punctuation mistakes. <laughs> and um, it seems to be I mean, its obvious rubbish, OK? There isn't a plan, despite my teaser before the break. Helen McEntee does not have a plan to uh, let criminals serve their sentences at home. But I think we're going to see an awful lot more of this. This was, ironically enough, tweeted... By um, uh, a gentleman who also who warns about uh, the mainstream media uh, in his in his in his Twitter bio, and you know we had a S- we had Sadiq uh, the, the week before the big march in London. There was AI generated um, clip of Sadiq Khan saying something like, "You know, we don't need to have this Remembrance Sunday stuff. You know, the Palestinian march is more important." Um, In the Slovakian election, Malcolm mentioned it. There, there was a deep fake with the leader of the uh, opposition saying that he was going to put up tax on beer, you know, which is uh, rarely an election winner in Slovakia or or, or anywhere else. And um, it seems to me, Jennifer, there's very little appreciation of the threat that these sort of things will... Yeah. Present an election campaign.
3: Yeah, there was also a AI generated picture of Rishi Sunak. I think it was there was an original picture where he was pouring a pint and there was a woman standing behind him and this was changed. And the woman's expression was kind of eyes to heaven because he poured such a pint arseways Yeah. And it was shared by Labour MPs. Now that's r- relatively innocuous, but um the example but, but exa-
0: it, it can it can it can spread immediately, you know. It spreads immediately.
3: An and that's innocuous enough you'd actually believe that would happen. Yeah. But your example that you gave there is Alarming, um, and I think there's like a threefold responsibility. Like trust in the media has been has taken a battering, realistically, over the last couple of years. There's a responsibility on us to fact check everything or to keep an eye on it. There was a responsibility on the AI companies to uh, increase greater regulation. One of the things that was suggested before was to watermark um, AI generated images um, so that you could see clearly that it was. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's Long ways down the road, but there's also a responsibility in the government. So fair play to Malcolm Burn um, to I don't, even things like a digital literacy campaign, um, or you know they're talking about setting up a committee in the Iraq to, uh, to, to look at this. So there was, there's was various different avenues that we're only at the start of all of those things, and I do worry about the next election when you when you say that example of an Irish Times. I know a lot of people who take screen grabs of articles maybe and then they send it in their WhatsApp groups. And mm-hmm. um, by the time that's gone everywhere, some of the contagion, it's already out there. Sure. Um, and I think this will be the first Irish election, general election, where this becomes an actual major issue. The only thing I would say is, could it be possibly different in Ireland than other countries because we're a smaller country and I think it's much easier. If, it, if there's a deep fake of Leo Varadkar um, saying something that he didn't say, um, it's much because we're such a smaller country. Is it easier for us to spot that? I don't know, but it'd be interesting.
0: Cliff, what do you make of all this technology stuff?
3: Yeah,
1: I, I think Jennifer's uh, Jennifer's put her finger on it. There, uh, it is. It is. It is really worrying. at certainly from contacts with business people, I think not only the political system but the whole business world is only really touching to start to, to start to get to grips with this and uh, the power it has to kind of not only gather information, but make the kind of decisions that, that humans would make. Uh, for example, I was talking to uh, someone in one of the big consultancy companies recently, and when the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine took place, or actually when the sanctions were introduced a few mm-hmm. weeks later, uh, they were able to get AI to uh, not only check through their systems worldwide for all their contacts with Russia, but to to be intelligent enough to put in front of the management the next day the key points that needed to happen and the key questions that needed to be answered something that probably would have taken interns you know three or four months to do yeah. so th- there's there's huge power there from a positive point of view but also from a from a negative point of view and as you said Jennifer the ability of social media and WhatsApp groups to spread the fakes strikes me as the as the key point and uh, there clearly are regulation issues here for the big uh, big social media companies but they'll have to be. Isn't the entire history of governments dealing
0: with big tech companies mm. is they have to be forced absolutely. to do it by law yeah. because they're not going to do it
1: unless they are. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: we've now, seen- I mean, you could, I would argue like that it's yeah. actually, you know, preserving open, liberal, Democracy. democratic yeah. societies is good for the big tech companies in the long yeah. term. Yeah. You know, the sort of free societies in which they thrive or certainly have yeah. thrived so far so they have an interest in this as well yeah. the difficulty is that it takes it it requires them to take some short term yeah pain and inconvenience right i
1: think you're right i think in general terms it's it's a mistake to believe they're going to do the right thing because it's the right thing so they have to be yeah
0: no, they won't they the experience be... tells
1: us they won't exactly uh, so it, there is there is it, legislation on, on on this the electoral yeah. commission act
0: part 4 and part 5 of that uh, of that bill, well, that, that act, which was signed into law last year, the Electoral Commission has been set up, it'll oversee elections and referendums in future. But the part four of that, which yeah. regulates online advertising, and part five of it, which has actually very strong powers for them to order the tech companies to take down things, uh, gives them powers to find mm-hmm. the tech companies, gives them power to issue orders and all that. Those parts have not yet been commenced. So the law is on the statute books, but it's not in operation or those parts of it are not in operation until the minister gives an order. Now, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago and I was asking the department about it. They said, oh, well, you know, the uh, European Commission has some difficulties with it and are plans to introduce a Europe-wide mm. AI Act. And But there's also what they didn't say is there has been furious lobbying by the tech companies against this measure. And it, uh, it, it is as yet uncommenced mm-hmm. And it looks like it is not going to be in place for next year's elections.
3: But they do that at their peril. I mean, realistically, because you're talking about the essential trust—not only in all the things I mentioned in media, but you're talking about the trust in an election itself, mm. like actual democracy. And I don't want to be one of these people who's like, AI is going to take over the world, and we're all going to be dead. No, like I'm genuinely like, there's pros and cons. Pros. Faster public services, you know, stuff streamlined along those lines. Cons, um, obviously targeted and general misinformation. Um, But if you get to a stage where people, their trust is is so chipped away in what they believe and what they read or what they hear about what their elected representatives are doing and if that information is wrong, to such an extent that, that an election itself becomes so much less legitimate well, then politicians on, ignore it completely at their own peril. It depends the,
0: the mechanics of the democratic process depend on a shared set of facts. Yes, and if that, that are is, true. If yes. that is undermined yeah. then are widely undermined, then yeah. you're I mean we've seen a lot of this in the in the in the United States. Yes. You know, even you know in advance of the widespread advent of AI, where, you know, the the, the two sides of their political system are so alienated from one another that they cannot agree on a shared set of facts.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that seems to have changed over the last, I don't know, decade or whatever is that the consequences, if you're caught out to have lied, don't seem to be terribly serious anymore. Mm -hmm. You would think kind of 20 years ago, you know, the prime minister was caught lying in the UK, for example, in the House Mm -hmm. of Commons in the same way as Boris Johnson has come, that, you know, he, he and they're mostly where he wouldn't have lasted six months. Yeah, or sure. the President
3: of the United States. The right, he was, of course, you know, Well, Boris was yeah, eventually, yeah. but, but tr- It's true, like, the, the standards of, of politics generally have declined, even yeah. if you look at the American President in court for subverting democracy. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't make it up. I mean, that kind of stuff used to be unthinkable.
1: And the kind of gatekeeper role of the media is still there, but equally, looking at America again, there are clearly media that are partisan now and are key parts of the debate uh, and are influencing the overall debate and influencing what what people believe and, and the consequences for people who have clearly misled. Uh, yeah, all of th- which goes to show how
0: important it is to subscribe to the Irish Times, which you can do at irishtimes.com uh, to ensure the survival of our independent objective journalism.
1: Yeah. I right Cliff? Absolutely. And I think you're right as well about the likelihood of slow progress being at least in part due to the lobbying efforts of the big players because you know over the last 15 or whatever 10 years a lot of things have been slowed down you know in the tax the tax world in the regulatory world um, and now in this in this area because the you know these companies have been That's lobbying so these companies are yeah. big players uh, but it these is companies understand-
0: are big from, it's understandable from government's point of view Yeah, because you've got these uh, you know handful of giant companies yeah paying billions and billions of euro each, yeah. multiple billions of euro each yeah. into the corporation, uh, in, in corporation tax into the Irish exchequer. So, of course, the Taoiseach will take a call from yeah. the head of Google or yeah, Facebook but the, but or the point the cliff whatever, makes about this,
3: the speed of, you know, how slow we are to regulate, time has never been more of the essence. OK, if you look at ChatGPT, mm-hmm. in its first month, they amassed 100 million users. The fastest ever app to do that. It took Netflix three and a half years to do that. Four and weeks. And
0: Netflix is actually useful.
3: Netflix is useful generally. Unlike, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and like that's incredible. You know, they did that in four weeks. So it, when you marry that against a government that's sort of, even like you said, the provisions are there. They're in the act, and they just haven't done anything about it. So in fairness, fair play to Malcolm Burn. Yeah, I think we
1: can all agree. It does seem like an open goal for them to to implement those things as as you wrote last weekend. Um, At least it starts to move in the right direction, doesn't it? Starts to put some protections in place.
0: Yep. Okay, finally this morning, uh, Jennifer, you've got a story in the paper that suggests that reform of Ireland's abortion laws might be on the way.
3: I hope it's in the paper. My e-paper isn't working.
0: It's Uh, in the paper.
3: Good. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that.
0: You can rustle it there
3: Here it is there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, abortion. Who doesn't want to talk about abortion? But no, seriously, um, this is an issue, obviously, anybody listening to the podcast will know, has been subject of many debates down through the years. Um, um, Our first ever um, abortion laws were introduced a couple of years ago, 2019. um, And in the legislation, there was a provision that after three years, there would be a review of the Act to see how it's operating, basically. Was it, is it effective, um, and that review was carried out. It was delivered to government in April uh, by the barrister Marie O'Shea. She basically, long story short, found that it wasn't. Um, she pointed to a number of shortcomings, both operationally and in leg- legislation. She recommended a number She's of changes. She's
0: suggesting easing the restrictions because yes. the abortion regime that was introduced here in the wake of the referendum was, as had been yeah. promised during the referendum campaign, was quite restrictive. Mm but it had that three-year review in it and now we're on course, do you think, for further
3: liberalisation? Do I think? Mm -hmm. No. Um, So, in her review, she recommended a couple of things. Decriminalisation, Mm -hmm. she said that having a chilling effect, removal of the three-day wait, which is the amount of time you have to wait to get access to abortion medication. She said it was preventing kind of all kinds of barriers in in a whole variety of different ways. Um, And she also kind of pointed towards shortcomings around allowing abortion in, in the case of Um, serious threat to the life or health of a mother or fatal fetal abnormality. So these are all the things she recommended. Um, Obviously, the government then were presented with this report and and they... Leo Varadkar came out immediately afterwards and said he'd be uncomfortable and reluctant to make changes because they, because he said they went to the people with a very specific set of proposals in a referendum and that these were not part of that. Um, now, there are other members of the Cabinet who are, are, are for liberalisation. I had a McEntee did an interview with her a couple of months ago and she said she was for the removal of three-day were Stephen
0: Donnelly's in favour of liberalisation. Yeah, so they're, 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 yeah.
3: yeah, but there are other members of the Cabinet who aren't. And what they did was the government, instead of making a decision, they kicked it over to the Oireachtas Health Committee And the Oireachtas Health Committee have considered it now a number of hearings, um, which we covered. And now the Oireachtas Health Committee have decided, well, actually, this is up to the government, more or less. They're going to endorse the recommendations and put it back to the government. So then it makes it a political issue again. Now, the reason why I think nothing's going to change is because I don't detect any political will at the top for it to change. Um, I think what's going to happen is they will let this sit. Both reports sit on a desk um, for the next government to deal with, or or potentially no government. Okay. That's just my that's that's just my reading of the situation. Unless there is a a push that I don't see and I don't hear. Because legislation,
0: particularly difficult contentious legislation, takes time. There's a whole bunch of things that are you know lining up in the queue to be done next year. And if fiscal cliff is right, there's going to be an election in the spring. <laughs> not going to be much time for all of that, even. Getting them done by the autumn.
3: But this is, a is this is just one part of a whole picture of things that we mentioned earlier on that the government are putting off. I mean, some of the most contentious decisions that they can make uh, that will have ramifications for the next election will be made after the next election or just before it. Like one of the even one of the things like housing. So they want to revise their targets upwards. They said that we need to. We know they're all inadequate. Turns out they won't actually have those revised targets broken down until late next year in which case we could have been six months past an election so I'm just saying there's a number of things that I think this government have looked at and said that's for later and that's for later and that's potentially for Sinn Féin
1: yeah basically. those revised tar- housing targets have been a long time coming now and
3: they will still be a long time yeah, coming
1: yeah yeah <laughs> okay that's a whole other podcast
0: it is it is it is
1: but <laughs> that's all that's all we
0: have for you this morning I think unless you want a final word Jennifer no <laughs> okay thank you for your presence as ever Fiscal Cliff it's been an honour to have you here it's been thank you very <laughs> much delighted off you go back to the business podcast right yeah. Uh, And thanks also to our producer, Declan Conlon, to JJ Vernon on Sound. I'm Pat Leahy and we will talk to you on Friday, I guess.